At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. This morning, we're going to be wrapping up the sermon series we began just about a month ago called The Five Follows. And inside of this series, we've been finding out how we can grow in our faith along life's road. And throughout this series, we have had this assertion that our lives are headed someplace. There are one of two directions in which our lives are moving. Either we are moving in the direction of destruction and death, or we're moving in the direction of transformation and life. And just as we have said all along, I, I, my assumption is that all of us desire transformation in life. That's why we are here today. And so how do we get there? How, does our life, how do our lives move in the direction of transformation in life? Well, we get there not by following ourselves, but all series we've been talking about how we get there by following Jesus. And when we talk about following Jesus, it involves a number of very practical things. And throughout this series, we've seen how we can follow Jesus into His Word and into worship, into community, into ministry. And today, we're going to wrap this series up by talking about how we can follow Jesus into mission. And by mission, I mean taking this message of the good news of Jesus Christ and sharing it with those who are outside of these walls, sharing it with those who do not currently have a relationship with Jesus that they might get one and that it might transform their lives as well. So today we're going to talk about following Jesus into mission. But before we do that, I want to just reflect with you for a moment on a hypothetical situation. This may not sound like a hypothetical, but it is. Okay, so the hypothetical situation is that there is a virus that is wreaking havoc in the world. I told you you wouldn't believe me that it was hypothetical, but it is. There's a virus that's wreaking havoc in the world, and let's suppose that that virus has made a number very sick and it has killed many more, but it has impacted in a deep way everyone that lives on the earth. And let's imagine that this virus that is wreaking havoc in the world uh, has there's a cure that has been found for it. And that cure was found by someone who lives right here in Norman, Oklahoma, USA. And this cure is 100% effective, and this cure, hypothetically, is 100% safe. But let's just say that we as a city decided to keep this cure to ourselves. We decided, you know what, we realize that there's a lot going on with this virus, there's a lot going on in the world, but we're going to keep the cure for this virus to ourselves. Now, we say to each other that we are going to honor this virus cure by gathering every weekend and singing songs about it. And we are going to honor this virus cure by gathering in small groups throughout the week and talk about all the benefits that the cure has brought us but we're going to keep it inside of the walls of our own city. Now, if if that was the case, and if this hypothetical actually played out that way, what would the rest of the world think of Norman, Oklahoma? They would think we're pretty selfish, wouldn't they? They probably wouldn't say it that nice, but they would think we're pretty selfish. What would be your assessment if that was our response? It'd be unconscionable, wouldn't it? 
I mean, how in the world could we live with ourselves if we had the cure to something so deadly that was wreaking such havoc and not share it with others? Well, friends, it doesn't take a massive leap for you to know where I'm headed with this because we live in a world that has a major problem. And that problem does not just infect some, but it has already infected all. And this thing that has affected us has not just affected us in a little way, but it's affected us in a big way, and it ultimately will lead to death. Of course, I'm talking about sin, and the wages of sin is death. What if we, inside of this room, knew the cure to sin and death and decided to keep it to ourselves? David Platt said this last week, he said, the world has a pandemic. The problem is the people with the cure are keeping it to themselves. We have something better than a cure to COVID. We have a cure to sin and death. Friends, as followers of Jesus, we have the cure to sin and death. Why would we keep such a message to ourselves? It's almost unconscionable to think that we might. How could we just get together and sing about it or talk about it and never share it with those that so desperately need it? Definitely including us, but it also definitely including more than us. Friends, Jesus invites us on mission, and by that, what I mean is he invites us to take the cure to the world that is sick. Will we join Jesus on that mission? That's what we're going to talk about today. And the text of Scripture we're going to look at to help us get there is going to be one little verse in Isaiah chapter 49, Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6. So if you've got a Bible, take it out and turn to Isaiah 49, verse 6. I want to read that verse for us, and then after we read it, uh, I want to make two observations so that we can understand a little more how we can follow Jesus into mission. Isaiah 49, 6 says this, Says He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Now, friends, in this one little verse, we're going to see two big things today about following Jesus into mission. The first thing that we're going to see is this. Don't take the gospel lightly. Don't take the gospel lightly. Now, some of you have a big question mark that is forming above your heads right now because we're talking about gospel and gospel is connected to Jesus and we're talking about following Jesus and yet I'm reading from the Old Testament. Now, just to orient us, our Bible has two big parts, an Old Testament and a New Testament. The, the, the New Testament talks about the events after Jesus you know, birth and, and, and death on the cross and resurrection. That's the New Testament. The, the Old Testament are the things that happened before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So you may be wondering, why in the world am I turning to a section of Scripture that happens before Jesus was born in Bethlehem to talk about following Jesus or to talk about sharing even the message of Jesus with those who don't currently know him? 
And friends, the reason why it's appropriate for us to do so is that even though the book of Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Isaiah talks a lot about Jesus. As a matter of fact, there are a number of different sections of Isaiah's prophecy where he talks about uh, Jesus in poem form. These, these different expressions are called the servant songs of Isaiah. And these servant songs of Isaiah are found in four different spots. In each of the spots where the, these are found, a different aspect of the divine servant or of Jesus are highlighted. They're, they're songs about Jesus found in Isaiah's prophecy. Well, what do we learn about Jesus by looking at these four songs? Well, the first of those songs is found in Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, where we find out that when Jesus comes, he will bring justice to the earth. What a wonderful thing, right? He says, a flickering wick I will not quench. A bruised reed I will not break, but I will bring justice to the earth. That's what Jesus says. So there's a song about Jesus in the Old Testament that says when he comes, he's going to bring justice with him. Another of those songs is found in Isaiah 49, the first six verses. And in these verses, of which I just read one, we find out that when Jesus comes, that he will bring light to the nations. He will shine a light so that we can understand who God is. He is clearly revealed to us in Jesus. That's one of the things that he does, and we see that in the second song about him in Isaiah's prophecy. The third song is found in Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 9. And in this third song, we find out that Jesus is obedient completely to his Father's will. It's no accident that Jesus does what he does, goes where he goes, conducts himself the way that he does, because he's completely obedient to his Father's plan. And then the fourth song in Isaiah about Jesus is found in Isaiah 52, verse 13, through chapter 53, verse 12. And in this song, we find out that when Jesus comes, he brings forgiveness. By his wounds, we are healed. We read these prophecies often at Easter time. But in these four songs that were written long before Jesus was born, some 700 years before he was born in Bethlehem, these songs talk about the mission that Jesus would bring to pass when he comes, that he would bring justice and light and obedience and forgiveness. But let's not miss another aspect of each of these songs. Each of these songs, the target audience for these songs is not just the nation of Israel, but explicitly in these songs, others are mentioned. In Isaiah 42, 1, it is to the nations that justice will come. In 49, verse 1, it is the people in the coastlands. It's the people who are far away who will be brought near. At the end of chapter 52, we, we find out that it is many nations that will be sprinkled, and in context, we understand being sprinkled by the forgiveness that comes in Christ. Friends, what we see inside of these four servant songs is that Jesus came not just for one people, the nation of Israel, even though he was Jewish. But his mission had a far larger scope. It was to bring justice and light and obedience and forgiveness to all the peoples of the earth. Now, I want us to zoom in and I want us to look at one of those four songs specifically. The, the, the song that includes 49 verse 6 
that I read earlier. And in this song, we need to understand what all is communicated in this song so we can better understand verse 6. So I want to walk through this song for us. In the first three verses of this servant song about Jesus, what we find out is that Jesus is special. He's special. He's unique. He's been prepared by God the Father for a very specific task, that he has been held back in heaven for a very particular time in history to enact a very specific mission. Listen to what it says. It says, Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, and the body of my mother he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Now, don't be thrown off by the reference to Israel in verse 3. What Jesus is saying in this song is he's saying, I'm sent to do the job that Israel was always intended to do. Jesus says, I've been prepared specifically for that task, like a special sword has been, that, that has been sharpened or a special arrow that has been created. God has hid me, Jesus says, for a time, like, like an arrow in a quiver. He has hid me away for a particular moment in history. And when he was born in Bethlehem, it was as if that arrow was pulled back and launched into the world. Jesus is special. He's existed in eternity, but he has come to exact a very specific mission in time when he was born in Bethlehem. The first thing we see in this song. The second thing we see in the song, though, is that Jesus asks a question to God the Father. And the question that he asks is, he says, isn't isn't it going to look like the mission that I am setting out to do is going to be done in vain. In other words, won't it look ineffective what I am trying to accomplish when I come to the earth? He asks the question this way in verse 4, But I said, I have labored in vain, Jesus says. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity, yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. Jesus is saying, when I come, the people I, I come to, the nation of Israel, They're not going to receive me. They're going to reject me. We know that played out historically as Jesus was turned over by the Jewish religious leaders to be crucified by the Romans. Jesus said, won't people look at my mission when I come into the earth and they'll say that it was done in vain, that I was rejected by the people I came to save? Well, God's response comes in verse 5. He tells Jesus that, His mission won't be done in vain, but it will actually be effective, even for the nation of Israel. By the way, I don't think that Jesus needed to be instructed on this. I think it's a little bit of a divine play for us to understand what's happening. Verse 5 says, And now the Lord says, He who formed me from my womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. Israel will be gathered back to the Lord. When we read the book of Revelation and we see this mass return of the nation of Israel to Jesus before his second coming, we see that prophecy being fulfilled. So Jesus' ministry might have looked in vain at his first coming, but it ultimately will not be in vain because Israel will be be gathered back to him. So this is the context of this song. But then we get to verse 6. And in verse 6, we find out that Jesus is a light to the nations. 
He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. In other words, friends, yes, you will gather Israel to yourself, but God the Father says to God the Son, but that is too narrow a focus. God had a bigger plan and a bigger mission through Christ And that was that he would be a light for the nations, that salvation may reach not just to one people, but to the ends of the earth. Friends, this is the song that we have just sung, and it reminds us that it's too light a thing for the ministry and the mission of Jesus to be confined to one people only, even to the nation of Israel. It's too small a thing. It's too light a thing to confine it to just one group because it was always intended, because it's so important, it's so significant to go to the ends of the earth. And we're reminded that it's so important and so significant by by remembering what the gospel really is all about. You see, we, we find out about the gospel in a number of different places in Scripture, but today I want us to think about the gospel through the lens of Isaiah, specifically through that fourth servant song that was given. I want us to look specifically at verses 5 and 6 as we remember the the gospel. The first thing that we remember about the gospel is that we are all sinners. We're all sinners. Isaiah 53, 6 says this in the first part, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. All, like sheep, have gone astray. This doesn't mean that all Israel has gone astray. They certainly have, but not just them. It means you and I have as well. And it means not just have Israel and you and I, but also people living in Europe and people living in South America and people living in Africa. We all have gone astray. There's no one righteous, not even one. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as Paul would tell us in Romans. We're all sinners. And the problem with our sin is that it comes with consequences. And that consequence is a punishment for that sin. And we're reminded of that in Isaiah 53, 5, where it says of Jesus, he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. The punishment is seen throughout this, pierced, crushed, chastised, wounds, Why were all of these things necessary? They all come as a punishment for what? For our transgressions, for our iniquity, for our actions in thought, in word, in deed. Friends, we all have gone astray, and that has led to consequences, a punishment for that sin. Paul will tell us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. There's a consequence connected to us wandering away. And that's not just something that was for the nation of Israel, but that consequence exists for everyone, even those who have not yet heard the name of Christ. Well, guess what? Jesus, aware of this problem, goes to the cross to take the punishment that our sins deserve. I love what it says in Isaiah 53, 6. It says, And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, on the cross, the iniquity of us all. 
the punishment and the penalty that our sin deserved was placed upon Christ on the cross and fully satisfied there so that we might be forgiven. This is the gospel, and and that offer of what Jesus did on the cross is not just something for you or for me or for the nation of Israel, but it's for all who would embrace it. We have a Savior that has not sat on the sidelines and just wanted to give us advice, but we have a Savior that came into this world to deliver to us good news. I love what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, the world is full of people who want to serve in an advisory capacity. But Jesus did not come with good advice. He came with good news. He was actually willing to serve you and to serve me and to serve the people of the world by taking upon himself the iniquity of us all that we might be forgiven. And the opportunity to connect to that, to have that effective in our lives is available to all who believe and receive this gift. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who believed. Friends, let's not take the gospel lightly. It certainly has an impact for you. It has an impact for me, but it has an impact for everyone. The offer is out there for people to come to faith in Christ, to have their sins forgiven. Why would we keep that message to ourselves? That's why I'm proclaiming it today from this stage, because there may be some among us who have never trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if that's the case, may you do so today. May you trust in Christ this morning. And for all of us who are rightly understanding this passage or are rightly remembering what God has done for us in Christ, why would we keep the cure to sin and death to ourselves? It's too small a thing, friends, for us to keep it to ourselves. We must be compelled to share it with others. Don't take the gospel lightly. You know, often we want to think that if, if I am saved, that's enough. Or we might want to expand the borders. If, if my kids and my wife or my, my family are saved, then that's enough. Or if my friends are saved, then that's enough. Or if everybody in Norman is saved, that's enough. If everybody in the United States is saved, that's enough. Guess what? It's too small a thing for us to take the gospel and just make it about me. Or to take the gospel and even just make it about those I know. Or those that live around me. Or those from my same background. It's too small a thing, friends. This gospel is intended to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And guess what? God's method to get it there is through you and through me. We are to shine the light. We're to shine the light. Now we see this clearly in the second half of verse 49. After talking about it's too light a thing that... Jesus, the servant, would be raised up to bring just the tribes of Israel back to to God. But he says, I will make you, Jesus, as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. God understands this. And so Jesus' mission extends beyond Israel and it extends to all of us, to which we all should say amen and praise God. Because we're in Norman, of all places. We're not in Jerusalem or Jericho or Bible Town. We're in Norman, Oklahoma, and yet God has seen fit to 
bring the gospel to us. It was too small a thing for it to stay there, but he has delivered it here to us. And for that, we praise God. And, and with that, we know that it is the light that comes through Jesus himself. Jesus is the light that we're sharing. I love, again, thinking back to these servant songs of Jesus. Jesus comes and he brings justice. Does our world need justice? Absolutely our world needs justice. Guess who will deliver it fully and faithfully at his second coming? Jesus. And we don't have to wonder if he's going to get voted in. Justice is coming, friends. We know that. We should share that message. That's an incredible encouragement for us. Are are there misunderstandings about who God is? I mean, there are people all over our world today who are guessing at what God is like. We have been given a revelation of who God is. Why would we not share it with others? He's given us the light. People struggling with obedience, we know the one who is obedient who can show us the way. Why would we not share that? We think of just even the forgiveness and people struggling with the grief of their sin and wondering if it's possible to break out of just those feelings of despair. Guess what? There is forgiveness that is available in Christ, and we know that. Would we not share that message with others? Friends, Jesus is the light. And in Isaiah 49, verse 6, it says that that light was to shine among the nations. But guess what? Jesus commissioned us to shine that light as well. The Apostle Paul, speaking to a largely Jewish audience in Acts 13, 47, says this. He says, For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Does that sound familiar? The Apostle Paul is quoting Isaiah 49, 6, when he says that. Now, Jesus was the light, but Paul understood that his role as he went out among the nations was to shine that light, that he was to be that light of Christ for all of the places that he went, because Paul understood that he had been commissioned as a part of the church. Trevor read for us earlier, Matthew 28, where it talks about Jesus saying to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples, not just of some of the people, but of all of the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Before his ascension, Jesus said to his followers, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, Paul understood, and you and I need to understand that though Jesus is the light, he wants to shine that light through us. We have been commissioned to take That message, what does it mean to not take the gospel lightly? It means that we are willing to shine the light of Christ wherever we go. Now, we live in a time and a day and an age where it's a lot of pressure upon us to take care of us, right? We need to be careful. We need to take care of us. We need to do all these kinds of things. It's too small a thing just to take care of us. It's too small a thing. May we also care for the world around us and remember what their greatest need is. You know, right now there are a number of different perspectives on how serious this coronavirus is, how deadly it is. And I, I'm sure I could go row by row. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do this. We would divide the church in a moment. We're not going to do that this morning. 
But if I were to ask you, scale of one to 10, how serious, how deadly is this? People are going to give different answers to that. But here's what I would say. Regardless of where you would fit on that spectrum, actually the higher that number is for you, the more urgency it should create in your evangelistic life. Because we were reminded that this life won't go on forever. Are we willing to, to share this good news of Jesus? It's why we're, why we're here, friends, to do such a thing. And the reality is that the end is coming soon for all of us, soon compared to eternity, that we all would have an urgency of sharing the good news of Jesus with those around us. So how do we get involved? How do we begin to take steps to follow Christ in mission? Well, a few things. First of all, we might think about how we get involved locally, how we get involved locally. One of the ways we get involved locally is by being a witness of Jesus everywhere we go. And by being a witness, what I mean is not that we're a preacher, not that we give a long message, but we just are able to speak to life from what God has done in our lives. So if we talk to someone and they are struggling with where is justice, that we know where justice is found in Christ, and we might take them there to Isaiah 42. And we could say, you know what, I was just at church the other day and we were talking about how there's justice that is coming one day and it's going to be found in Jesus, so you ought to know him if you want justice. Somebody's struggling with, with forgiveness issues. We might say, you know what, I know where forgiveness is found. He's laid upon Jesus. God has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. There's forgiveness that's possible in him. Friends, we are giving a witness of what Jesus has done for us in the lives of others. Another thing we can do is we can invite others. You realize that Peter got connected to Jesus because his brother said, let's go listen to this guy. He's a pretty good speaker. That's kind of an understatement, but it really radically transformed Peter's life, right? Might we invite others around us to come and to worship with us, to connect in community with us in different ways? We can invite people to participate. A third thing we can do is we can figure out ways to join together as a church family and to reach out in creative ways in our community. And coming up at the end of this month, three weeks from today, we're going to be having a local outreach fair connected to an all-church picnic where we're going to be able to just find out what some of these opportunities are so that we can uh, get connected better in reaching our community for Christ. And so we'd love to have you come. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be live music and good food and all that stuff. It's going to be out in our parking lot. Um, But we're also going to be talking about what are ways that we can partner together to reach our community for Christ. So some of the things we can do are local. But some of the things we can do also, friends, are global. Involve us believing that it's not just, it's too small a thing just to see the gospel permeate Norman or Oklahoma, but that we would be a part of being used of God around the world. So what are some ways that we can get involved globally? Well, one of the things that we can do globally is we can get educated as to God's plan to reach the nations. And this fall at Wildwood, we're going to have a class on global perspectives that's going to begin on September the 16th and will run through November the 18th. Those are Wednesday nights, and it'll be from 8 to 9.30 over in our children's building in the lodge. And Kevin Bradford, our director of global outreach, will be kind of hosting that time, and there'll be a number of different people teaching, including myself. But we would love to have you come and reflect more with us on God's plan for using us to take the gospel to the nations. That's one way is we can get educated. Another way is that we can get involved. We can get involved, and we can even get involved personally. You know, I was so encouraged about 18 months ago 
about 200 families here at Wildwood all raised your hand and stepped forward to begin sponsoring a child at a church in Lagoa de San Francisco, Brazil. Inside of this church in this little town, there uh, is a compassion center with Compassion International. And Wildwood has been sponsoring children in that community uh, for the last 18 months. Well, just in the last few uh, months with COVID-19 and with uh, different things happening, the, the, the normal pattern for gain, gaining new sponsors for children with compassion has been disrupted. And right now, as we stand here today, there are 25 children in that church in need of a sponsor. And so by God's grace, in March, Wildwood was able to, to give a financial gift to sponsor those kids from March until September. Um, but they need sponsors now. And so out in the gathering hall, there's just an opportunity for you to see the, the, the faces of those children and maybe step forward to be a sponsor for one of them. It's another way that we can get involved in being the hands and feet of Jesus and being sent in the world by taking the good news to them. Or th- third possibility is you can get connected to one of our missionary partners. You can begin to pray for or support financially one of those that have been sent out from our body who are serving around the world in a number of different contexts. And our website lists those both serving inside the States, but also those who are serving around the world. And you can begin to get connected to one of those. Now, friends, if, if you are looking for a way to, to get involved in, in one of these opportunities is something that interests you, there's a way that you can let us know that. And that is by texting to the number 95577, texting the word on mission. Now, I realize that's two words, but in order for this text thing to work, it has to be one. We're going to run those together on mission to 95577. And so if you have a phone right now and you're interested in these things, you're thinking, maybe I'd be interested in that class on global perspectives, or you'd like to sponsor a kid with compassion, and you don't have time to stop by the table today, or um, you'd like to get connected to one of our missionary partners, or you want to know more about that local outreach fair, just text on mission to 95577 and let us know which of those. There'll be some quick questions that come back to you. You can let us know uh, where you want to go next with this, and we would love to help connect you there. Because friends, here's the thing. We, uh, and all this, by the way, is found on our website as well. If you don't text, you can go to wildwoodchurch.org slash onmission. Now, again, all of this is, is not so that we get something from you. Ultimately, it's something for you. That if we want to follow Christ, how could we follow him and not be on mission? Because he's on mission. And we get the privilege of being on mission with him in this world. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for today and just the chance to be together and to be able to just reflect on these ideas and and learn of how it was always your intention for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. Father, thank you that you got it to us here in Norman, and may it not stop with us, but may we faithfully share your word and shine your light among the nations. We thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.